0: Occasionally, we'll see a uh, uh, a new logo introduced for a company, and we'll look at it and we we'll kind of go, "Really? That's the best they could come up
1: with." What's up, branding experts? Arik here at Il Design, and welcome to On Branding Podcast, the only podcast where I interview branding experts to give you actionable tips on everything branding and beyond. And in this episode, I interview Bill Gardner, and we talk about generating logo design ideas. And Bill established himself as an influential figure in logo design space through his brand called Logo Launch, uh, which is the world's largest logo design gallery and book series. So every year Bill puts together logo design trends report surveying the uh, logo landscape for nearly, for over 20 years. And Bill still manages to work with clients under his own design firm, Gardner Design, uh, so he has released about 10 volumes of Logo Launch uh, book uh, with extra four volumes, uh, which are master series. And these books uh, contain some of the you know, examples of best logos uh, from top designers. But Bill also published a book about the process, the logo design process, that's called Logo Creed, And this is the book we are going to talk about today. Uh, so Bill is an expert when it comes to logo design, and that's why I really wanted to have him on our podcast. Hello, Bill. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on our podcast.
0: Excellent. Hey, Art, I'm so glad to be uh, joining
1: you. This is going to be fun. Sure. You review a huge amount of logos, new logos from top designers uh, you know, every, yeah. every year, but you also design logos and brand identities for your clients. I wanted to make this podcast practical for our listeners, so mm-hmm. we would love you to share with us some, some tips for how to uh, come up with better logo design ideas, because you are so experienced. Whether this for designers who just want to level up and, and be more creative, or for entrepreneurs who would like to just learn about the process uh, in order to generate better ideas for the, for their logo.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, one, one of the things that um, is just really fortunate for me uh, through Logo Lounge is uh, having contacts with so many just incredibly talented uh, logo designers around the world. And uh, uh, becoming friends, we have a lot of good conversation. And uh, and this is a topic that comes up, you know, very often and probably is one of the most asked questions about, you know, how, how do you develop great logos? And... Uh, uh, I suspect you probably know George Bakwa, uh, the designer. He uh, was one of our jurors in Local Land Book 11. And yes. he made the comment um, uh, to me that, and, and, I, and I love the way he kind of developed this analogy, but it was that you know, as designers, that it's a, a little bit like fishing, that uh, if, if everybody sets their hook to the same level and we're kind of fishing in that same water towards the top of a lake or uh, the sea or a pond or whatever it is, we're all gonna catch about the same fish. But once you really get into a project, if you start diving deeper and deeper in that body of water, you're gonna go through a period there where you don't appear to see much of anything, but then you're gonna get to the bottom. And you're going to start to see fish and things that you've never seen before. And I, I I think it's this amazing analogy of too many people are fishing in that same water. Where you know we're all working with those same basic premises and ideas when we start to work on a logo. And too, it's too easy for us to quit when we when we think that we're uh, you know hey we we've caught a couple of fish we can eat these. <laughs> but, if, but if you really put that effort into it you're going to take that effort down to a level uh, that other people haven't experienced before and you're going to start introducing ideas that they've not seen before and uh, of course that's an analogy but in 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 reality i i think the the premise of what george was saying and uh, and you know this is repeated by other designers is that uh, too many of us stop too quickly uh, we, we we don't take our investigation deeply enough and uh, try and get into areas that others aren't in. So if you're looking at what everybody else is producing, and of course it's valuable to do that because it gives you a good sense of where the market is, but you, you also have the peril of potentially creating exactly what everybody else is doing and that, you know, it, it, that, that may not be bad for some clients, but in reality, it, it doesn't move the industry and what we do forward uh, with branding.
1: Right. So, so you're so you, right. So, and this is awesome because you mentioned, uh, so investigation is really important, right? So, uh, and this is actually the first, uh, one of my first questions because, you know, every logo design project should start with some kind of discovery and research, right? Yes. Uh, so in your book, you, you talk quite a lot about discovery phase mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to you know, researching the company and its history, uh, if it's a rebrand or its vision for the future, if it's a startup, sure. and then defining the scope of work and, and perhaps the, you know, uh, the brand personality and the tone of voice that would be appropriate uh, for that brand and right. then conducting some competitive research because the ultimate goal is to differentiate us right, right. Uh, so can you just talk uh, a bit about the importance of discover and research you know prior to actually you know jumping right into uh, sketch, generating logo design concepts you know sketching ideas and thinking about uh, you know the aesthetics so how important is that and right. what questions should we ask Either ourselves, if we are doing this in-house, or just our clients, if you are working with clients. Yeah,
0: you know, um, uh, it's a great it's a great uh, question because I, um, I I wouldn't enter into a project that I was not allowed to go into the discovery process first. Um, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, how can you? Um, if if you think about it, it's it's kind of uh, like saying, um, uh, I I I want to be a doctor. I'm just going to go start cutting on somebody, but you, you but you know nothing about uh, what you're cutting or uh, surgical procedures, or you've never schooled as a doctor, or you know. And and as designers, gosh, you know, one of the great things is that we have that opportunity to uh, learn new fields and new clients, um, every, you know, every week we you know, take on somebody different, it seems like. And when, when you start working uh, on what is going to represent that client, it, it's impossible to do that unless you have this tremendous foundation in you know, who their clients are, uh, who they are, what's their personality, how are they perceived in the market? Who are they selling to? How are they selling? You know why are they selling? You know what's the history you know, of uh, this particular entity? How did they get to where they where they got to? And and there's all of this information, which ulti- ultimately impacts the decision of the consumer on why they're going to build a brand affinity in the first place. And you know I I I I hate the fact that there are uh so many designers that are very facile they're very uh they they don't get into the discovery on the front end outside of some very very basic questions and you know that 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 is truly what makes the difference between an exceptional brand and when i'm saying brand i'm certainly not meaning a logo i mean that is a part of it but what makes the difference between a tremendous brand and a failed brand is that entity's ability to understand who it's selling to and its consumers. So when we start with a new client, um, you know certainly we meet with their stakeholders, uh, those individuals that ha- are going to ultimately have some say in uh, this. but but also imagine this their their impression of themselves, our, you know, um, your impression of yourself is Good. probably not a real accurate impression to other people. You know, we, we all tend to, <laughs> the, the way I picture myself probably is about 20 years younger, but I, but I realize that to other people, that's not what they picture. So it's also so critical to spend this time... Through survey work or coming to understand what the outside influencers think of, you know, uh, that that particular client. I I, I think it was. um, uh, I'm I'm trying to recall who it was that made the comment that uh, you know a, a, a brand isn't what we say we are, but a brand is what they say we are. Yes, and. And, and that's really so true. I, that, maybe that was Jeff Bezos that made that comment, but it, you know, that how, how do we get to that point? Because if if we're just listening to our client and we receive a brief from them telling us uh, what to do, then it is a very jaded perspective of what we're actually creating. the The outcome of that discovery process really needs to be um, a design brief or a document which serves as your guidelines and objectives that is agreed upon by the client and by you. And I I don't know how a designer can even get into a project without having that kind of a document because it does two really important things one it serves as your director if you will and 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 gives you a set of elements that have to be achieved but secondly it protects you with your client so that when it comes time to present to them and you show them your work and you say it does this and this and this and this going down your brief right they 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 can't deny it, <laughs> you know. Uh, they you know uh, there there may be some subjective you know opinion in there, but you know if if but if they come back to you at that point and say yes, but did you consider this? That's your opportunity to say well, no, we didn't consider that. We we didn't put that in the original design brief. But if you would like to put that in there we can certainly go back and do some more design. Of course, that's going to be at an additional fee, Right. if we want to include that. So that, that's why it's important that both the client and the designer agree to this document before the work process starts.
1: Nice, nice. So it's really important just to sum up for, for designers or either entrepreneurs. So for, you know, for bo- both, it's really important for designers, uh, to understand the company and understand the landscape uh, and then combine it with your design skills to you know produce great work and for entrepreneurs you, know, you have to have an agreement uh, sometimes you know like from my own experience um i have sometimes clients they uh, they ask me hey arek what do you think about this logo and that logo uh uh, mm-hmm. But I wasn't involved in the process. I don't know the company. I don't know the history. I don't know your objectives. Uh, I can just judge your, your logo design concepts from the you know aesthetic point, aesthetics point of view. Uh, but uh, but you really need to have that foundation, right? And and yeah, and, All and right, make- no, you-
0: you, you and I both, uh, because I know you're a very talented designer, uh, occasionally we'll see a uh, uh, a new logo introduced for a company. And we'll look at it and we'll kind of go, really? That's the best they could come up with? But at the same time, we, we also recognize, sometimes we'll look at those and we'll go, man, I know they're a much better designer than that. And we can almost read into it that the client probably – Uh, directed them down this alley towards a solution that ultimately didn't please anybody. Um, or, uh, we, we, we look at a solution and we go, wow, I I really hate that, but I don't know what the design brief was. I, I don't know what they were told to do. And as far as I know, they may well have, you know, surveyed their audience and found that this ugly design is the, absolute thing that speaks best to them so uh, you know if, if you, you make a great point that unless you know the objectives that a designer was uh, designing to it's really really hard for us to make a super critical
1: judgment of their work right so you need to have some guidelines you need to have some criteria otherwise it's just uh, going to be like you know uh, whoever, uh, whoever got the more power here, whoever is the decision maker, uh, it's just going to be like, uh, about some, per, uh, uh, personal preferences. Uh, it, it's not, a, it's not going to be objective. It's going to be very subjective. Uh, well, so I
0: love, the fact, I love the fact that you just used the word objective in there because I, you know, uh, designers live in a very subjective world. Um, and I, and I try to press this point because we, we we don't work for other designers. We work for clients that usually live in a highly objective world. And, you know, just as a differentiation of words, if you're dealing with the uh, any C-level position within a company, a CFO or a COO or a CEO, they are objective thinkers. And to them, um, if they brought in 12 accountants, let's say, and said, add up this column of numbers, all of those accountants should be able to come up with exactly the same sum. That, that is an objective problem. A subjective problem is as designers, if they brought in 12 designers, they could have all of them designing a solution that would represent that company. And all of them may be just amazing solutions, just incredible solutions that they
1: will be, very different answers now we are going to take a quick break here but we will be right back listen my mission is to help people design iconic brands so whether you're a business leader who wants to be more intentional with branding and all of its aspects or you are a creative who wants to attract powerful clients and truly be able to help them with branding then you need to start with a discovery session and then develop a strategy that will inform all your creative work And everything you need to learn how to do that, you can find in my online courses at ebegdesign.com forward slash shop, where I share with you my worksheets, case studies, video tutorials, and other additional resources to help you feel safe and strong about your process. And now let's get back to our conversation with Bill Gardner. So now I want to talk about uh, different types of logos, because in your book you say, quote, designers and non-designers alike are guilty of using words such as logo, icon, symbol. And mark interchangeably, so as interchangeable synonyms, but they don't really mean the same, right? So, in your book, uh, you make this distinction. So, can we just talk about what's the difference between uh, different between different types of logos, uh, and how to decide on which one we should choose for our project?
0: Sure. Um, uh, do, you, do you mean such as whether it's a word mark
1: or a symbol? Right. Monogram, pictorial mark, abstract mark, uh, word mark, yeah. right.
0: So let me, let me share just a little bit more, uh, maybe deeper thinking on this for just a minute. And uh, I, I know that this is something that you're very familiar with because I'm familiar with your work with uh, archetypes. But I'm going to talk for just a minute about uh, uh, brand personality. And how that affects your decision as to if it is a a crest or a monogram or a, you know, hard geometric conceptual symbol or, or what you uh, have in there. Um, there's a really wonderful um, uh, individual whose name is Jennifer Auker. And I'm going to spell that last name. So if any of your listeners want to look it up, uh, they can. It's A-A-K-E-R and the um, professor at uh, the University of Sanford. And she is um, uh, in, in marketing, but back in 1997, she basically did a really incredibly extensive study that says, you know, much like people have personalities, brands have personalities as well. And she ended up breaking down uh, branding into a total of five different dimensions. And just very quickly, I'm going to say that the dimensions are sincerity, excitement, competence, sophistication, and ruggedness. And for each of those different dimensions, there were a series of trait words associated with it. So if if it was sincerity, if a brand had a level of sincerity, uh, words like authentic, original, family, you know, these are all words that have connotations of sincerity associated with them. And though no company is just purely any one of those personalities, as designers, by trying to break down your client into a couple of those personality groups and saying maybe that a company is 60% sincerity and 20% competence and 20% excitement then we have the necessary things we need to be able to make the kind of determinants that you just suggested. So give an example here. Um, When we talk about sincerity, companies that rank very highly on sincerity might be Coca-Cola, Hallmark, Disney, Campbell's, Pillsbury. And if if I think about brands like those, let's specifically think about Coca-Cola and its script. Think about the Disney logo, and how it's handwritten. Think about Hallmark and that kind of scriptiness. Now, this isn't to say that all sincere companies have a logo that is done in script. But in fact, the reason that that's in script is because that autograph, that signature, gives the impression of authenticity or of the the word of the individual behind it. So yeah. as, as designers, we intuitively know many of these things. If I, if I go all the way down to rugged and I say rugged is companies like uh, Dodge Ram or Levi or Timberland or uh, Caterpillar. You, these are all brands that have these relatively chunky letter forms, you know, as mm-hmm. part of their, um, of, of their brand or their wordmark. And and part of that is because that letter form being as weighty as it is, gives that impression of more solidness, you know, of coming back to ruggedness. Um, if we look at competent companies, uh, they, they typically are going to be uh, companies that have a midweight letter form. Um, a lot of times, their symbol that represents them, if you think of UPS or FedEx or Maytag or Lexus, these are all companies that fit into competency very squarely. Um, are are going to be midway letter forms Uh, often if they have a logo it's going to be somewhat conceptual as opposed to literal so because we have these cues as designers that we recognize that help identify these types of personalities if we can identify the personality of our client then we can start to look at other clients that have that kind of personality and pick up on the tones that best represent that personality you know i i'm not sure that i would use a, a monogram as you had just suggested that was very light and full of great detail and frill if i was working on a company that sits squarely in a highly rugged category right it, it might be more perfect for somebody in sincerity um you know if if, if i were using an old world looking crest I probably wouldn't attach that to a company in excitement because excitement tends to fit with trait words that um, uh, are about things that make you feel on edge or make you feel a little bit uncomfortable or gets your blood pressure up or your pulse rate up. Um, so you know, intuitively, we as designers know those different visuals that represent different cues for a company. Does, does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, so just to sum up, basically personality, brand personality plays uh, a huge role in determining, you know, what kind of uh, the style you should go with and and, uh, type of your logo. Uh, uh, So just, just to uh, go over, over those different types of logos just for our listeners. So basically uh, you know based on your discovery and research you should you should determine um, you, you could determine whether whether you should go with monogram so for example like ibn cnn if, if the name is long or if for some for some reason uh, you you might might want to use the first letter uh, mm-hmm. like a like a letter form or a like an initial right yeah. uh, or or perhaps uh Pictorial marks, it could be a pictorial mark like Apple or WWF logo, right? Which is basically uh-huh. just a, a, a literal representation, a visual representation of, of some things, you know, some uh, well, yeah. fruit, and, you know, fruit uh, or an animal. So,
0: yeah, go ahead. So your suggestions you're making are all tremendous examples. Um, the, the, the challenge that we have as designers is that just, uh, is as valuable as I will tell you, Uh, uh, using uh, personality to help define a client is it's just one component of our of our brand thinking so you know I mean as we both know there are so many different layers complexities in considering you know how to best uh, identify a company so when you start talking about is a uh, is a monogram right? You know, is, is it just a single letter that serves as a mnemonic device, you know, like Caterpillar's letter C to remind you that okay, it, you know, uh, it's going to be a company that starts with the letter C or if it is uh, something like uh, uh ABC or NBC or CBS, where we actually um, uh, use a series of letters that represent the company, or UPS. Um, you know, th- those are all you know really critical considerations that you have to make in there. Uh, am, am, am I going to? Work with the initials of the company, or am I going to uh, cast those aside and spell it out as United Partial Service, and you know, uh, and and deal with a symbol that uh, like the one that Paul Rand had originally designed that was so beautiful, um, but even that had uh, you know an opportunity for UPS, and it, it, you know, these these are all just there are so many thousands of decisions that we have to make, and and I think as designers we forget that with our experience and sageness that we we tend to take a lot of these decisions for granted because we just naturally know how to do them. Um, you know I uh, I, <laughs> I don't know how much you know about me, but I actually put myself through school doing magic. And uh, in, in magic, there are any number of um, uh, moves that you can do to make an, op- an object vanish or disappear. So I could hold a coin in my hand and make that coin vanish. But it it's a simple mechanical move that I go through, but I have to make it look very natural. And because I've done it so many times, I don't have to think about it when I do it. I, you know, I can, I can just make the coin vanish. <laughs> but, but as a young designer, we, you know, a young designer can become so caught up in the process that their decisions don't create a natural and an evident solution. And the more they learn, the, the more natural certain decisions come to them, you know, they, they're, they're designing for a client that has, you know, some level of elegance associated with their more sophistication. You know, they, they naturally might go to um, all capital letters um, in a serif font that are broadly letter spaced. I mean, you know, just, they don't, they don't have to think about that. They just know that that is one of those visual cues that we use to kind of symbolize elegance. So you know, the right. the more experienced designers have, the easier it is for them to kind of naturally not have to ask every question that's out there.
1: Right. Yeah, and and, and I do know that uh, you're a magician as well because you know I, <laughs> I, I've read, I've done. Uh, yeah, and, and and I think it. Uh, yeah, I've listened to some like on the Logo Geek podcast, for example. You, you tell the story. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, so for you guys who, but most 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 of uh, our listeners probably will will uh, know you because you're pretty known in in the industry. But for those young, these are just start uh, uh, starting designers who who don't know you yet. Uh, Bill Bill is also a magician, so he used this an- he uses this analogy, uh, you know. Uh, just because you can you, you you can make this trick so you practice so, mu- so many times you practice so many times to do this trick so it looks natural right uh, mm-hmm. and you use this analogy for designers who because as designers we know our craft and if we do it all over and over and over and over again some things we just you know is just like we do unconsciously right yeah. uh, exactly. and, and it's so natural for us but it's also helpful you know we sometimes need to like take a step back and, and just either write this down or just uh, elaborate on that. Like uh, also explain it to the client why we've made those decisions, why, why we go with this kind of style or why we decided on, uh, uh, on going with this type of logo. Uh, because some, lo- some types of logos will work better for some, you know, for some either... You know, for some brand names or some categories, sure. or there are there are some factors that you know there are advantages and disadvantages of each. So, uh, but this I'm really, be
0: I'm really glad you said that because you know it, it it's uh, a situation where you know sometimes we you and I become so comfortable because we already have that knowledge that we forget why we've done it, and it's important to remember why you know uh, we do something. Because uh, over a period of time, things change. And if I vanish the coin exactly the same way every time, eventually somebody's going to catch on to what I'm doing. (laughs) So it's important for us to be aware that things change. Um, You know, uh, different audiences view different things in different ways, especially over time. Um, you know, other, otherwise, you and I are designing logos that really look like they should have been designed ten years ago, or twenty years ago, or thirty years ago. It's it's important that we too be very cognizant of those selections and decisions we make design wise, so that we don't find ourselves becoming dinosaurs.
1: Right. Okay. So uh, yeah, there is a lot of things. There's a lot of different you know, factors and. Uh, uh, but you go into uh, details in your book so uh, yeah, yeah I really recommend you, uh, you know, for, for you guys to check out the book and there are many different considerations you know uh, and, and and questions that you can ask your clients or questions you can ask yourself internally if you're for a, a business leader uh, so now let's just jump into like um, so once we know once we've done some research and have and, and, and done some discovery and made some decisions, uh, and have this design brief. Now, we 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 want to know how to generate better logo ideas. So, where do we find inspiration? Where to start? Because uh, in your book you say, "quote There is nothing more dangerous than just having one idea." So basically, you recommend to start off by generating tons of ideas and sketching a lot, you know, sketching uh, many different concepts and not and at the beginning to don't uh, you recommend to uh don't don't just stop yourself from judging them and and just go for quantity Mm -hmm. and then and and then and then and then you go for quality and then you revise them maybe combine those ideas and so on so uh you shouldn't rely on some kind of a lightning strike of genius as you Mm said You, so you need to really sketch a lot and try different concepts and try different ideas and eventually you will narrow it down to some promising ideas and then you can execute them, right? I love the fact that
0: you pulled that particular quote out, which is, uh, there's no idea as dangerous as the only idea you have. <laughs> some, somebody shared that with me years ago, but it's so true. You know, when we only have one idea, then, you know, we it's basically saying you haven't worked very hard so far. Uh, but you know, so let me, let me just say this in regards to idea generation. Um, we, none of us, none of us live in a vacuum and our, our clients don't live in a vacuum and the consumers don't live in a vacuum. Um, uh, uh, symbology and symbolism is continually shifting and changing, uh, there are a whole series of elements that 10 years ago didn't exist, you know, whether it would be the, the, the Wi-Fi symbol or the cloud symbol or the little hamburger that indicates more information, you know, on, on uh, a website or, you know, all of these things, you know, symbology is a very, uh, it's a very active dynamic. It's you know continually shifting and changing. But one of my greatest beliefs is that as designers, we get somewhere quicker by standing on the shoulders of others. And that means you know, taking a look at what other designers uh, have done to give us some level of inspiration. Now, inspiration is very different than theft. And I'm not talking about stealing at all. But when, when, for instance, somebody becomes a member of Logo Lounge, and Logo Lounge, which has oh, close to three hundred and fifty thousand logos that have been uploaded by the members, you and and it is a paid site; and it's a hundred dollars annually. But when you when you go on there, you are able to search through those logos in such a way that, for instance, if you were uh, designing a concept and maybe the concept was. Um, uh, excitement, you know, um, and you type in the word excitement, then you're going to get, you know, literally hundreds of logos associated with the word excitement. So you can see how other designers have dealt with that. Or or maybe you've decided that you're going to design a logo and it's going to be a, a, a fish, you, you know, and you type in fish and you may get, you know, 2,500 fish logos that come up, or you can start to limit that down to um, the, the very best of logos. So you only get 500 fish or something like that. But you've got to be able to be aware of what other people have done because it is what the consumers are already aware of and responding to. Now, again, right. not, not saying to take somebody else's ideas, but, you know, uh, that... Gosh, before there was logo lines, there were plenty of logo books and there still are. And one of the reasons as designers we get them isn't necessarily to look at our work. <laughs> it's to look at the work of others and to uh, look to them for influence and inspiration in how to, uh, to show an idea that is fresh. I, I'll, I'll end this comment with this. Um, you know, we, we work in a world of cliches, and I hate to say that, but you know, uh, a cliche is that idea that's been used over and over and over so many times, but it's called a cliche because it works. It's called a cliche because people understand it. Our objective as designers is to take an idea that may appear cliche and overused, and like George Bakawa said, to fish so deep with that idea that we start to bring up new ways to uh, demonstrate that idea. Um, You know, it still may be a cliche, but it's gonna be something that somebody looks at and goes, wow, I've never seen anything like that before. You know, Um, it's how good we are as designers is the proof of, you know, our ability to take a cliche and present it in entirely fresh concepts so that nobody realizes it's a cliche. Right
1: and i think it's a great tip uh for all designers uh for all people who want to design uh better logos uh to just go beyond clichés you know and take it further uh and and just experiment uh with that so yeah as as you, as you mentioned you know you can look for inspiration on logo lounge and and you categorize all those logos and these are some of the best logos out there because you know these are some of the top designers and uh it's just easy like you know to type in some keyword and account uh, and it's gonna show you a bunch of different like how other designers approach similar subject right so yeah it can inspire yeah. you you know it is it's not it's not to copy uh because that's that's not the goal of the logo and, it's, and that's a theft but you know it's just to inspire you and see you, and, and see what was done, and and how can you use, perhaps use that or combine some uh, different concepts from different you know from different logos from different designs. I couldn't say it better. So uh, so this gets us closer to the last thing I wanted to talk about, which is mm-hmm. uh, trends trends in logo design because uh, you know. Uh, You review a lot of logos and 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 you're probably the most experienced person when it comes to you know logo design the trends in logo design industry so uh so we were talking about cliches now i want to talk about Mm -hmm. trends a little bit so uh so what's the difference between a cliche and and a trend and 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 something that uh goes out of style and how to determine whether we should use, whether we should rely on some trends or whether we should just be more uh, <clears throat> conservative and, and and try to make the logo timeless and classic. What do you think? Sure. So um, when
0: when we put together the trend reports, and those, by the way, are for free on the LogoLand site, you can just go up under trends and take a look at our trend reports going back to 2003. Um, trends. To me, now, first of all, let me catch this. Trends and trendy are two entirely different words. Um, a trend is a trajectory. A trend is looking at evolution. Um, you know, if, if if something is trending in a direction, it doesn't mean that it has stopped there. It just means that things are trending in that direction. It, it, they're 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 moving. And when we identify trends, there are so many things out there that, you know, don't fall within our trends that are beautiful design, that are masterfully done. Uh, So it's not saying that you need to follow trends. The reason for identifying trends is so that you can start to see how design is evolving and I'm I, you know, i I'm, I'm gonna use this analogy real quickly. If, um, if I were to show you a map, and let's say it's a map of the United States and I were to put a pin right in the middle of it and tell you that this is a person and that they're traveling, where are they gonna to be tomorrow? You would have no idea because you don't know which direction they're going or how they're traveling, if it's by air or by boat or by car, you don't, you know, you, you have no idea. But if I were to show you that same map and say, here's where that person is today, Here's where they were yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. Then you can start to see, well, okay, that person is traveling about 500 miles a day. They're traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast. And then you can forecast where you think they're going to be. So let's apply that to design. If you're looking at uh, logos and you see that suddenly there's a lot of kind of focus on the use of transparency or that uh, suddenly this gradation that occurs inside of a monoline that shows transition seems to be in effect. You have a couple of choices there. You can say, okay, I'm going to disregard this, or you can say, I like what's going on there, I'm going to emulate that in my design, and that's I think the worst. Or you can say, you know what, I like this idea of a gradation occurring inside of a monoline because it shows transition and it shows a path. But I like the idea of this line, instead of it being a monoline, starting to open up and undulate. Then you've just evolved an idea forward so that right. you are taking something that has already been going on but you're introducing your own ideas into it in such a way that it's moving ideas forward. And th- this is the beauty of looking at trends that are occurring. You, you know, we, every one of us lives by trends. You know what, what we read, what we eat, where we shop, uh, the things that we wear, all of that is based in trends. It's what we do with those trends, the way we elect to, you know, to, to, to mix up our wardrobe, the, you know, the shirt that we buy with the pants that we put on, with the shoes that we get. The, I mean, we make our own look out of that. But all of those elements came about because of trends. And that's, that's where we utilize trends in logo design is to be able to identify where we are evolving to and the trajectory of design not just saying i want to do that trend
1: right yeah so just so some of so trends are about the evolution right so uh exactly so you, so you look at the trends and, and and then you think about how you can take it and whether it's a, whether you can use it to to uh for your designs because you know you think it's a great way to express whatever you need to express from the brief so let's say you have some keywords right you write this. You write down those keywords. Then you uh, search for those keywords on Logo Launch, and you find some ideas. You find some trends, uh, and, and you think, can you? Can I apply it? Mm-hmm. Uh, can I? Can I do something with that? Maybe I can combine this with some. Uh, maybe I can do something uh, similar but better because I could use it differently and and things like that. So, but also I just wanted to mention for our listeners. So sometimes. Um, sometimes some logos uh, have a doesn't have they don't have a long uh lifespan right so like for example you mentioned in the book like olympic games right uh, yeah. but 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 other pro logo design projects you know uh you may you may want to avoid trends and you want yeah. you, you may want to make it the logo super like timeless and classic uh, as timeless and classic as possible so there are some considerations if the logo is one-off event, maybe maybe you could use trends because the next time you will have to design a new logo. Or yeah, I, it's... I, all I do is I
0: report on those. I you know I I never show a trend and say, boy, I sure love this. Um, you know the, what I do is I say I'm reporting. I'm 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 identifying these clusters of similar logos that are doing something technique-wise subject-wise or in whatever way that are common and new and I'm reporting on them and some of them I hate <laughs> some of them I do like but you know all, all we can do in a trend report is report them it's never a matter of endorsing
1: it and saying you should do this right and you even say that in your book so you're basically uh you observe all those trends, and you analyze them, and you categorize them, and you see where they are coming from. Uh, you look at the history of those trends and how they may evolve in the future, and you just try to un- advise designers. Uh, but uh, you say that in your book that it isn't meant for a guide, as a guide for best practices. These these are just uh-huh. you know just to show you uh, some trajectories and how how trends may evolve so that you can just take those ideas and and push your design skills to the next level right the and 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 the book that you're
0: talking about which is called logo creed c-r-e-e-d that you know um uh uh, I think we produced that in 2014. So it's six years old. The, the foundation is still perfect, you know, yeah. as far as what's in there. Some of the materials getting a little bit older, but the foundation of how we do things is still in there. And I, and I think one of my comments that I make in the book is that, and, and this goes to exactly what you just said, which is it's more important to know how you got there than to know where you are. And that, that relates back to this idea of if you just look at a trend and say, I'm just going to emulate that trend, you, you don't have any idea how that designer came to that decision and why that trend worked for the client that they used it on. But if you understand how that trend came about, then you know how you got there. You know where you are. And you know whether or not it is correct for your client or not
1: right so yeah so I recommend for all you guys to check out the trends for 2020 now you are probably uh, soon you are going to work on you know uh, the next book for 2021 we're, uh, we're up 2012 right now
0: we're, uh, we're we're just wrapping up uh, Logo Lounge book 12 as we speak
1: oh, okay uh, all right so um yeah uh so what what like uh i just wanted to ask you as we are approaching our, our, our the end of our episode mm-hmm. how can uh what uh how how you want other designers to uh uh connect with you what's the best way to to get in touch with you and i will just include those links in the description box and perhaps for clients who want to work with you how uh, they can uh get in touch with you as well sure there. Well. Uh, they're always welcome to uh, log on to
0: logolounge.com and that's the primary site. And again, it's a $100 annual membership, but I guarantee with uh, uh, not not only do you have access to this highly searchable database of hundreds of thousands of logos, um, but it also gives you the ability to upload your own work to the site and any any work uploaded is always Uh, considered by our panel of judges in the next book. So anything that uh, somebody would upload today would be considered for book number 13 when we do Logo Lounge book 13. Um, And Logo Creed is listed um, amongst books on the site as well as our books that we produce from our competition. Um, If you want to reach out to me, uh, feel free to reach out to me at bill at logolounge.com and uh you know I, I i'm a pretty easy person to talk to and i always enjoy Rx speaking with uh designers that uh have been doing what i've been doing cuz they always teach me something new
1: right yeah and and i and i see that quite a lot you uh you appear on a uh, a lot of different podcasts and and different blogs which is awesome because uh we need uh someone like you uh to <laughs> To, to, yeah, to to, to guide us, uh, and 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 it's great. So it's, it's, um, it's a pleasure. Hey, uh, I might I might quickly add in here if anybody uh,
0: wants to. There is a um, uh, LinkedIn Learning. Um, yeah. There are probably I don't know ten different um, courses that I have on there. LinkedIn Learning is such. A, it used to be lynda.com, but it is such an incredible tool um, and. Uh, I go through my trend reports on there if you want to, uh, if you're a member of LinkedIn Learning um, or if you want to buy a membership. uh, Lots and lots of tremendous designers like Von Glitchka and, uh, you know, I I can't even name all of them that are on there. But uh, a a lot of uh, what we are talking about today is covered in those courses that I've produced on uh, LinkedIn Learning. So just go there and type in Bill Gardner. And uh, you'll see all the different
1: courses that I do. Sure. So I will include all those links in the description box for you guys, so you can check out and uh, and uh, and be able to generate, hopefully, generate better logo design ideas. So Bill, thank you so much for coming on the show, and, and I really appreciate that.
0: Well, I appreciate your passion for identity design and the work that you do as well. thank you very much for having me.
1: So this is it for today's episode and make sure to go and check out Bill's website and follow him on social media. And you can find all the links on this episode's page at ebegdesign.com podcast 11. So thanks for tuning in and if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my podcast for more tips on branding, strategy and design. This was Arek Dvornichak from Ebek Design.